Uh, hey, let's pray together, shall we? Uh, Lord, we do come today as a body of one, and we crown you with many crowns, because you indeed are the king. Uh, the king of the universe, the one who has created everything that is, the one who holds everything together, even right now, uh, at least says the Bible. And we come believing that, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us. Be king to us right now. Speak to us. Help us sense who you are and what you're saying, how you're getting our attention, and what you'd have us do about it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we, we heard the, the Palm Sunday story as we gathered in the lobby. All four Gospels recount it, as, as I already mentioned out there. I think it's about this. Sometimes our understanding of Jesus is way off. Not just a little bit off, sometimes it's, it's way off. And on, on the surface, the Palm Sunday story seems like a pretty simple story, doesn't it? You know, there's Jewish pilgrims gathering in Jerusalem for the Passover, and they hear that Jesus is on the way, and uh, the, the roads are kind of packed with people as people recognize Jesus. Uh, there's this kind of impromptu, spontaneous, happy Jesus parade that happens, right? Jesus is riding into the city and people are welcoming him, waving palm branches and such. And uh, You can probably recall uh, if, if you've been around the Christian faith a little bit, and I don't want to assume that you have, that, that wasn't my story growing up, um, but if you've seen a children's Bible with a picture of the, the Palm Sunday story, you, you might remember it. It's Happy Jesus Parade, right? Jesus is riding in and everybody's, hey, this is great. But the truth be told, there's much more to this story than that. It's, it's really more about our misguided expectations of Jesus and, and the Lord's call to us to align ourselves to him and what God's kingdom is, is about in the world. See, Jesus was an unexpected kind of king and he inaugurated an unexpected kind of kingdom. That's the line for the day, by the way. Jesus was an unexpected kind of king and he brought an unexpected kind of kingdom. And the whole Palm Sunday story really illustrates the gap between who Jesus was and what we were expecting. So let's, let's just kind of unpack a little bit of it, the, the unexpected king kind of thing. Look at how Jesus was welcomed into the story. I, I was looking primarily at the passage from Luke. It's Luke 19, 28 through 40. That's the account of the, of the uh, triumphal entry in, in Luke's gospel. And there's several things here. And there's the, the, the crowd that was gathered. Who was in that crowd? What, what did that look like? Back in, in Jesus' day, there were four sects in Judaism. There were Pharisees, Sadducees, Zealots, and Essenes. The Pharisees were the middle class, grassroots kind of believers. They tended to be strict and legalistic. And at times, Jesus clashed with them. And at, during the time of Jesus, when Israel was under Roman control, they kind of accepted that Roman rule as a necessary evil, didn't like it, wish it wasn't there, but didn't do much about it. The Sadducees were the priestly class, the, the wealthy aristocrats. They ruled the temple, were often accused of being in cahoots with the Romans. They kind of liked the status quo because it benefited them. Right? The zealots were the freedom fighters. These were the religious extremists, the militants. They were the ones kind of waving the flag of rebellion. They would, they would very much like to kind of kick Rome out and, and do that by force and do it by the end of the day. That was the zealot's story. And then there were the Essenes. These were the, the monks of Judaism, the separatists. You know, it seems like every, 
a significant spiritual movement has its separatists who end up saying, let's just you know, disengage from the world and, and keep ourselves pure, not, not be tainted by the world. This was what the Essenes did. They moved down to the Dead Sea, the, the caves down there. If you've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, that was from an, an Essene library. They lived out in the desert and just separated themselves. So all these folks were gathered, a very large crowd, says the Bible. And these were the kind of people who were in the crowd. That's the who. Then the what, the welcome. How was Jesus welcomed into Jerusalem? There were, there were cloaks laid on the road, um, palm branches cut and held and, and waved, and people shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and the highest. Again, it sounds like a happy Jesus parade, right? If you understand the background on all of those things, you see it was something quite different. Hosanna, while to us it sounds a little bit like hallelujah, or praise the Lord, or amen, or kind of falls in that category, doesn't it? Hosanna. The, the word literally means save us. And back then, it was a zealot cry. It meant save us from these Romans. Kick them out. Make us free. Save us, Jesus. So Hosanna literally means save us from this political situation in which we find ourselves. And then there were the palm branches. You know, the last time the Jewish people had been free was during a time in between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. There was a thing called the Maccabean Revolt and and the Jewish people won their freedom for a period of time. During that time, the palm branch became kind of a nationalistic sign of freedom. It was imprinted on their coins. It was put on their flags. So the Jewish people understood that to be something akin to our American flag. It would have been a symbol of patriotism. It would have been waved at at, at gatherings uh, or at least referred to, maybe not waved because back in Jesus' day, waving a palm branch was considered by the Romans a capital offense, punishable by crucifixion because it so clearly uh, 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 intimated revolt. Let's do the Maccabean revolt again and kick these people out. So waving a palm branch was considered an act of rebellion against the Roman Empire. And here the whole crowd is waving palm branches, literally taking their lives in their hands to do that. See, the palm branches reveal what the crowd expected. They expected Jesus to rise to power, lead an uprising, oust the Romans, and rule over them much like King David did. This was a zealot welcome, right? They were thinking, he's our man, He's going to get it done. He's going to get it done by the end of the week and we're going to be free. Hosanna. Way of that palm branch. And then there's the cloaks on the road. Clear custom in the ancient world. Spreading their garments on the, gr- on the ground was, was a royal salute. This was only done for kings riding into a city which they were going to take over. Riding into a place where they were coming into power. So all, all of these things put together just telegraph what the crowd was expecting. See, the crowd welcomed Jesus as a conquering king, and in so doing, they telegraphed their expectations that he would take their side and kick out those bad people. Now, that that never happens in the modern church, does it? That Jesus is going to take our side and he'll kick out those, those bad people. See, the Palm Sunday story is is about the Lord's invitation for us to align ourselves with his kingdom and what he's doing. Not about the Jesus that we've got in our own little box. 
So there's the crowd, there's the welcome, and there's the biblical reasons, quite frankly, why all these folks thought Jesus was coming to do what they thought. The setting was right. The Old Testament talks of this, the Mount of Olives, the Messiah returning there. Every good Jew knew that that would be the place of return for the Messiah. The direction was right. Uh, Again, the Old Testament speaks very clearly of the Messiah coming from the east. Uh, uh, Jerusalem was was built with these grand gates that face east and and everyone understood in in the Jewish world that when the Messiah returned, he'd return and, and come through those eastern gates into the city of Jerusalem as the triumphant king that that Messiah would be. So the direction was right. Jesus was riding on a colt. Prophet Zechariah explains this very clearly. He says, look, the Messiah would, would come riding on the colt, the foal of a donkey. And Jesus was no longer resist, resisting the claim that he was a king. Because previously he had been. You know, the, New, the New Testament uh, tells us, look at this from, uh, from John's gospel. After people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who would come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So this wasn't a new idea. People were looking at him and and thinking, this is our guy. He's going to lead the rebellion. You know, he's the one. And until that time, he had been resisting, just avoiding that. But now, here he is on the donkey, riding down the hill from the Mount of Olives, right up toward the eastern wall of Jerusalem. And man, those eastern gates are straight ahead. Pry those things open, let them cross the threshold, and boom, this thing's done. That's that's what the crowd's thinking. So put it all together, and and you can see why the zealots are thinking, this is is our guy. He's going to do it, and we're going to be free. This kingdom is going to be great. But then there's the timing of Jesus' arrival. So very much like Jesus. The triumphal entry took place four days before the Passover began. And and the Passover, if you're newer to the Christian faith, uh, harkens back to a night when the Israelites, when they were enslaved in Egypt, uh, when when God told them to sacrifice a lamb and and take some of its blood and put it on the the lentils of the doors and on on the door frames, and the, the, the angel of God would pass over those homes during one of the plagues when the firstborn uh, died in, in Egypt. And according to the book of Exodus, the fourth day before Passover, as the Israelites were to celebrate the Passover in an ongoing way, the fourth day before was the day each family was to select its lamb that would be sacrificed on the day of Passover. See, the day Jesus entered Jerusalem was Lamb Selection Day for the Passover. And by choosing to arrive arrive on on this very day, it sure seems like Jesus was saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a king, all right. Just not the kind you're expecting. And there's there's one last piece of this kind of history culture part, and That's the the eastern side of Jerusalem. There were those big eastern gates. You know, everybody expected the Messiah to come up through those and take control, take power after that, lead this rebellion. There was another gate on the eastern side of the city. It was a couple hundred yards north of the eastern gates. It was called the Sheep Gate. It was a utility entrance. 
through which all of the sheep and animals that were sacrificed in the temple area were ushered. It's kind of an animal entrance. Now, we don't know this part for sure. It's, it's speculative. But consider this, would you? Palm branches waving, everybody shouting Hosanna. Their coats are on the ground. Jesus riding the donkey down across those. Everybody's thinking, man, this is, this is it. There's the Kidron Valley is between Jerusalem and, and the Mount of Olives. So he'd ride down into a valley, then up a hill to the eastern gate. And, and he's getting close, getting close, eastern gate right there. What if Jesus arrived at that eastern gate and, and stopped that colt? And everybody's thinking, this is the moment. Just a few steps more and we're good. And what if Jesus then kind of yanked the reins a little bit and turned right to take the little footpath 200 yards north to the sheep gate? And with no celebration, no pomp, no circumstance, rode his donkey through that utility entrance, that, that sheep gate, fully knowing that all sheep who enter the city in that way most certainly die. You can feel the confusion of the crowd. What? But you're supposed to but you're gonna but God's message is behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world see Palm Sunday calls us back from our misguided expectations of Jesus and invites us to meet him as he is. Not as we think he is. Not as we might want him to be. To meet the Lord as he is. Jesus was an unexpected kind of king and he initiated an unexpected kind of kingdom that the Jewish expectation was that the Messiah would come bring a kingdom with him and make everything right right now that that was the expectation I'll never forget an opportunity I had in in seminary during a 12-month period I was able to spend four months in the Middle East about a month in the Holy Land and three months in Kuwait and during uh, some of the time in the Holy Land, on a couple different trips there, uh, one of the trips was a kind of a tour, kind of a more classic tour of some of the Christian holy sites. And our, our bus driver for that trip uh, was an, an, an Israeli Jewish man, and our tour guide was also an Israeli Jewish man. And the, the tour guide's name was David. And I remember, I can't, I can't quite remember the occasion, but Somehow I found myself up at the front of the bus and, and everybody else was off the bus except for David and, and me. And we were chatting. And it had been growing on me throughout this trip that this guy makes a living, really, taking Christians around to these different 
these different sites and um, I just kind of wondered how that squared with his faith and, and we got into a conversation about that and I, I can't remember what questions I, I was asking him, something like, how, how do you do this? You know, you go to all this Jesus stuff and you know the New Testament like the back of your hand. Uh, so what, how, what do you think of Jesus? Where do you, where do you place him? What, what, do you, what do you think? And his fundamental argument against Jesus being the Messiah was this. Hey, the scriptures say that when the Messiah comes, there will be peace. Look around the world. Do you see peace? He had a very clear expectation, didn't he? Of the kind of kingdom the Messiah would bring. But, but David's expectation was off. It wasn't wrong. It was just off. See, Jesus, Jesus said he will bring his kingdom fully, but he's gonna do that when he returns. The kind of kingdom he brought to us now is the first part of that, but, but it's not quite fully here yet. See, this kingdom is an already not yet kingdom. It's already started and not yet fully come. It's, it's like the Christmas parade that's begun and you're standing on the side of the street and you know, the, the floats are going by. You know Santa's coming. You just haven't seen him yet. You can even hear the crowds cheering. You might hear some music from his float. It's just a couple blocks down around the corner. You know Santa's coming. He's just not here yet. See, the, the expectation of the folks back when Jesus came was that God's kingdom would come fully right now. But that's not what Jesus brought. And there's a reason for that. We'll get to that. Unless we just point fingers at you know, Jewish people of Jesus' day and say, man, look how off they were in their expectations. We, we do this all the time. I do it. You do it. We, we ask God, why? You know, wh- where's God in this? I, why isn't God doing something about th- this horrible thing happening in the world that just pains me to my core? I mean, wh- where's the justice? Doesn't God care about justice? What about all of the things in the world that, that aren't right? And God's kingdom now is already and not yet. And the not yet part is really, really hard. There's nothing easy about that at all. And that, that's why Jesus told us in the Lord's Prayer to pray in the kingdom. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we don't just pray about that stuff. We're called to do. We're called to be. You know, love mercy. Act justly. Walk humbly with God. All with the understanding that the gap here the gap between God's kingdom fully come where everything is made right and what we've got now is purposeful. That didn't happen by chance. God intended that because God's kingdom is a kingdom that's for people, not against people. There's an enemy, but it's not people. People are not the enemy. See, it's God's will that all people would come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. The Bible says that very clearly. The Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. Meaning, hey, Christians, your your calling, your mandate, the fundamental mission for which you and the church of which you're a part exists is to help everybody everywhere become a student learner of Jesus. That's what disciple is, just a, a student, an apprentice. And and did you know that the Apostle Paul named the why 
behind the tension of the already not yet bit. We want God's kingdom fully come, but we live in this tension that it hasn't yet fully come. Why didn't God's kingdom come fully in an instant? Why, Lord, why? Here's what Paul says. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? There is actually a kindness, the kindness of God, communicated by this in-between time. God is hanging in there with us, not leaving us, even though we're difficult people. I know I am, and in your heart, you know you are too. God is being patient with humanity for our salvation. Clear message of the Bible. Peter picked up on what Paul said. Look at this. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. The Lord's patience means salvation. Have we, have we grappled with that idea? Have we wrestled with that? As messed up as the world is, this means that God is up to something good. Really. In all, all the tensions we feel, all the questions that arise in our, our minds. And, and I think it's okay. God welcomes us to wrestle with these. The Psalms are full of them. Why, God? Why didn't you, God? If you wanted to, God, you could have saved him. You could have saved her. And all of these wonderings that we have happen under the, the covering of the immense patience of God. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. In, in this in-between time of the already and not yet kingdom, Jesus is displaying his immense patience as an example to everyone who would believe. And we don't, we don't buy this narrative in the world about, you know, Christianity is so exclusive. Why don't you, why don't you be more inclusive? Now, how can you say that Jesus is the only way to salvation? I mean, that, that's kind of religious immaturity. There, there are more people in the world than that. There's, there's more, it's more complicated than that. It's more complex. In, in fact, that claim might even be hurtful to human society. And truth be told, maybe the root of many wars, religious intolerance. How can you say that Jesus is, is the only way? But see, that's just a human way of looking at the whole thing. If, if what we believe actually happened, then there's a greater truth, right? Way far above all of these, these kind of narratives and complaints that are issued in the world. Is, is the great truth that Christmas actually happened. That God came here, moved into our neighborhood. There's the great truth that the cross actually happened. That God died for us. 
God came to earth. God died for us. There's the great truth that the tomb was and is empty. Jesus lives for us. I mean, this, this is a kingdom that's for people, not against them. Already, not yet. Kingdom for people. Finally, this is a, a kingdom of humility and service. Not only is the Lord patient with us, he was the first to take off his dress clothes and wrap the servant's towel around his waist and kneel down to wash the feet, not of his teachers, but of his students, his apprentices. I mean, it's an upside down kingdom. I mean, the first are last and the last are first, the weak are strong and the strong are weak, the wise are, are foolish and the simple are wise. You know, all of this because God is not like us. And aren't we thankful for that? Jesus' royalty involved shame and suffering. His, his kingdom emphasizes humility and patience and, and love different than anything anyone expected. He was an unexpected kind of king. And his kingdom, thus, was an unexpected kind of kingdom. So don't miss the invitation. If you've got Jesus in a box, stop. He's way bigger than that. Receive the Palm Sunday invitation to Align yourself with the Lord. We've got to stop asking the Lord to align himself with us. See, the invitation to repent is an invitation to change our thinking, not just our behavior. It's an invitation to change our thinking. And the invitation to believe is an invitation to align our life to that change in thinking. See, Jesus arrived on Lamb Selection Day. It seems pretty clear to me what God was saying to all of us. As you get ready for that forever Passover, God says, choose this lamb. Choose my lamb. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you really did it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and and moved into our neighborhood. Thank you, Lord, that you showed us how to live. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that you showed us how to give. Give of ourselves and lay ourselves down for what God is doing in the world. So God, as we enter into this holy week, would you pour out your spirit upon us? Would you, would you help us look to you? Would you help us see you? If there are scales on our eyes, Lord, peel them off. If there's hardness in our heart, bring softness again. If there's anything plugging our spiritual ears, Lord, would you, would you remove that, un- unplug them? We want to see you as you are. We want to hear what you're saying to us and we want to receive all of that with a heart that's wide open. So Lord, come and help us. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us.
We pray in your name. Amen.